Welcome, friends, to the Agora Network Ministries program, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our hosts, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie Gallant, share practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and stigma inside the walls of the church. Through interviews, stories, and Christ-centered devotionals, along with dialogues with leading Christian mental health professionals and network ministries, our hope is that you, the listener, will learn and experience that hope and healing can be found in a holistic approach for body, soul, and spirit. Our prayer is that you become more aware about the importance of your mental health and be willing to make the changes you need to become a healthier you, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Again, welcome to this program. Now, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie. Welcome to this program tonight. Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Tonight, we start a series of conversations with a number of people that will talk about suicide prevention. We have a story tonight about a mother and daughter whose son and brother took his life way too soon, and they're going to share about the effects and how Jesus was the healer and continue to heal them as they move on in their lives. As you may know, suicide takes about 4,000 people in Canada every year. And I have wondered why people take their lives. And I'm learning that many people that take their lives don't want to die. They just don't know how to live. Or they can't live with the pain that they're going through. And so we're going to focus our month on suicide prevention. And I hope you, that you will listen closely as we share tonight and also this month. I have with me in the studio today, Karen and Allie, and they're a mother and daughter team. And they are very passionate about mental health, their mental health, and others' mental health as well. And uh, they have a story to tell today, and I want you to listen to them very intently today about their story of um, a son and a brother that took his life way too soon, and uh, they're going to talk about it. But Karen and Allie, I want you to tell us who you are. All right. My name's Karen, and I am a mom of four. Um, and Alan, as Alan said, the, my oldest is in heaven. Um, the other three mm. are my baby is 17, and she'll speak in just a minute. Um, I am really passionate about mental health and mental uh, wellness. Mm. And um, for myself, those in my close circle, and then extended as well. Um, and uh, in my work, I'm a registered nurse. With Agora um, Network Ministries, I'm a speaker with my daughter, and I also am the prayer uh, coordinator for Agora Network Ministries. And just a little plug, mm. uh, monthly, we have a monthly uh, prayer meeting, so anyone who is a prayer warrior that's yeah. interested in joining us, Please. get in touch with me, check on the web 
uh, site and you yeah. can get in contact with me that way. That's right. Thank you, Karen. Hi, uh, I'm Allie. Uh, like Alan mentioned before, yes, I'm, I'm 17. I'm going into 12th grade. Um, not exactly sure how that's going to work with the pandemic, but uh, either way, I'm excited. Um, yeah, I'm extremely passionate about mental health. I consider myself to be very empathetic. Um, I often carry the weight of mm -hmm. others' emotions, but I've worked really hard on myself and developed lots of healthy ways to cope with that and mm. help others in the process. Um, but I'm super grateful to have this opportunity at such a young age to share something I've been through and become yeah. an advocate hopefully impact other people's mm -hmm. lives. Well, well said, both of you, and I look forward to how you can impact people today as they listen to us. So uh, let's begin. Um, tell me a little bit about your son. About Matt. Yeah. So Matt, um, well, he lived to be 18, in his uh, 19th year, and uh, we lost him. But it, in those years leading up, he was a bright young man. He loved tools, mm. fixing things. Yeah. He was um, just really a joy. He had such a great smile and that uh, attracted people. He did, People just loved him so mm. much. Um, and he was uh, quite brilliant as far as computers and building mm. computers by the time he was 12 years old. I he wish was I building. had that skill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was building computers by the time he was 12. Really? and wow. Yeah. And then he was in cadets, um, air cadets, and um, he won awards for swimming mm. and just really, he was a soccer player and just lots of different things. Um, and when he got into um, the later years of high school, there were challenges and he struggled mm -hmm. um, and he did get into drugs and mm -hmm. became addicted to drugs. Yeah. and. That was his way of medicating. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Allie, what do you, what can you say about your brother? Um, well, for me, uh, I was ten when he passed away, so I didn't get nearly enough years with him as I. So he passed away seven years ago. Almost. Right. Almost yeah. seven mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. So, um, I didn't know him all that well, um, especially because he was my half brother, right. so he wasn't always at our house. But I, like, loved being around him. He was so loving, so caring, like, would stop anything to help me mm -hmm. and was always very kind. Like, I don't remember one argument with him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but for me, it's just uh, sadder to think about what I could have had with him, the sure. kind of relationship, because, sure. like, if I knew him now, I think we'd be really close. Yeah, of and, course. And, like, that's... So you talk a little bit about who Matthew was, uh, but what happened to Matthew? What, what happened that he would thought this through to take his own life at almost 18 years old? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't, I don't know exactly what was going through his mind, but I know he had uh, really struggled with um, addictions. Yeah. Um, it was growing. And when did that de start? In about two you... years before, about a year and a half to two years before he yeah. took his life. Okay. Um, and again, don't know what was exactly in his head, but I know about six months before he had one attempt um, and had some treatment. 
trouble, uh, that's a challenge because at the time, and I'm, um, it, they didn't treat concurrent disorders. Right. So it was like, okay, he had to get his addiction looked after before they would look after his mental health or the other way around. They wouldn't do both at the same time. Now, that has changed. Yes. Which yes. is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that was a big, uh, like, thank God for that, mm-hmm. that that changed. Um, and then he did, yeah, he struggled. Um, he... He had gotten off the drugs uh, for a few months. Um, during that time, he I learned after he had died that he had given his life to mm. Jesus. And That's a good part of the story. That is right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I didn't know that until after the fact. Um, so there was he, just struggles. Um, as a mom, it was really hard because he'd come look wanting money. Yeah, um, of course. And I, I knew it was feeding the addiction. But you love your child. Of course. You want to help in yeah. any way you can, right? So I tried, yeah, I tried different strategies and not trying to get him to come home and to, mm. tr- you know, if he needed money, I'd take him out and buy groceries right, right. or that kind of thing, of not course. actually give him cash. And mm-hmm. um, that was really hard because yeah, it's, it's hard to see the pain that he's going through and know it. And feel it, but not be able to stop it. You stop it, or yeah. uh, do you help him deal yeah. with it, right? Yeah. So, Ali, how did it affect you as a ten-year-old? Maybe, yeah. maybe not so much when you were younger, but maybe now. Yeah. Um, well, like more recently, um, as I've gotten older, I've become, I've gained more insight into mental health and like I uh, have more concept of what was actually going on back then mm-hmm. and so I can think back and look at it through a different perspective of like me now and like I I remember just kind of being in the background when he would come over right. and ask for money and stuff and I didn't really understand and I didn't get why he didn't want to come home mm-hmm. and it was hard because I wanted to develop a relationship with my brother sure. yeah. and yeah it uh yeah it was it's interesting looking back and i remember visiting him in the hospital mm-hmm. i also wasn't sure what was going on because right. like as my mother would do she would like kind of shield me from that and sure. not want to have me exposed to all the darkness i hope that you are listening to ali and karen as they share tonight this topic is very raw And I know that um, maybe many of you are feeling the rawness, but that's okay because we want you to be more aware of people that suffer after a suicide or people that suffer before a suicide and uh, how we can help them. So uh, thank you for uh, listening in. Right now, we're going to go to Pastor Gord Abraham, and he's going to share a mind for what matters. Greetings, friends. September's discussion on the Agora radio program is on the subject of suicide. There is hope for all of us. God loves us, cares for us, and is for us and wants to be with us. A longtime friend, I'll call her Sharon, was raised in an outwardly nice religious family, which on the inside was filled with physical and emotional abuse from an angry father and husband leading to the suicide of our friend's mother, a sister who became a militant atheist, and another sister becoming emotionally troubled through all of her life. Sharon's emotional scars and struggles went with her all through life. 
One day, she came across a video about the life of Jesus acted out by Bruce Marciano called The Visual Bible on the Gospel of Matthew. Watching this portrayal of the happy God-man Jesus liberated our friend. She saw in a new way Jesus loving, laughing, teaching, touching, and healing people with joy, humor, and gentle seriousness. She saw herself and God as Father in a new way through Jesus. She no longer saw God through her own Father, but through the Father of Jesus. She was gradually freed. We all go through formative experiences in families, communities, schools, employment, and even our churches. Some is good, and some has been very harmful. How we hear about God and Jesus forms thoughts and patterns of seeing life that stay with us throughout our lives. In some cases, it is very healthy, and in other cases, it has a detrimental effect on how we see God, ourselves, and life itself. What we have experienced in our early years creates self-talk that can be either truthful or full of lies. If we follow the lies, they will lead us to fear, hopelessness, and a sense that no one loves us or life is not worth living at all. This self-talk is not from God. It is from none other than the father of all lies, the evil one. We refer to him as the devil. What I want you, my friend and listener, to do is hear the truth from Jesus and let your self-talk be truth talk, or as I would say, God talk, from the Bible. Hear what God said to those seeking to follow him. I'm reading Matthew 11:28-30 from the message. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so, friends, throw your pain, your suffering, your rejections, your despair on Jesus. He will carry you. Don't give up. Come to him just as our friend Sharon came to him and saw him in a whole new way. She was able to be liberated. Sadly, some of her family members have not been. Sadly, there's been harm done to those in her family. But since she has come to see Jesus as he truly is, she has been given new hope. She's been given a future. And she has been able to use those experiences to help others who have fallen into tremendous despair and hopelessness. And God has used Sharon to be a useful instrument in his hands. And she is learning day by day what it means to come to Jesus and cast her cares upon him because he cares for her. 
And so it is with all of us. God cares for you. God loves you. God is with you. God is for you. Trust him, my friends. Amen. Have a great week and enjoy and be encouraged by what you are hearing in the weeks to come. Well, welcome back, Ali and Karen. I'm glad to have you with us today. And we're talking about the story of Matt, Karen's son, and Ali's brother that took his life at 18. And so uh, I want to continue the story uh, because I feel that many people that are listening can identify it. Maybe they have someone in their family that died by suicide or uh, attempted suicide. And you can share with them, we're going to talk about how we heal in a minute. But just to know that you can come out the other side of this. But before we do that, I want you to talk about um, the grief part and how you handled that. Little background is I had, uh, we'd been coming through some really difficult um, like marital issues and that type of stuff. So that impacted the kids. So there's already that. And I had um, previously had um, anxiety, a lot of, had some anxiety, had been working through that. So as I'm trying to support my son, Mm. I was healing also myself. So, um, one th- because I uh, have as a nurse I had some understanding but really not that wasn't my specialty although I've become more specialized in that yeah. now um, but I really um, was uh, one thing I remember is in the time leading up to knowing what Matt was going through I was really learning about suicide prevention uh-huh. and I remember being really an advocate for Bell Let's Talk Day yeah. and that kind of thing and then when Matt died, it was, well, it was, it was a shock and devastating. It was also, it was kind of like, it didn't super surprise me because I knew he'd mm. had an attempt before, but nonetheless, devastating, yeah, devastating. Um, just the first few days were a blur for a long time. Um, going through all that stuff for funerals and things like that is just it's horrible to have to do that for your child yeah been through that before for my mom but that's normal right that's right and uh so fortunate I mean thank the lord I had lots of support and people around me and all of that kind of stuff but nonetheless it's this agonizing pain that I just can't even describe yeah and I when the detectives came to tell me I remember it was almost like being in a separate body, hearing this sound that yeah. was so guttural and kind of like separated from myself. Um, but at the same time, I I was really aware because of the training that I'd taken sure. that once one person dies by suicide, everybody close to that person then is at a higher risk. Mm-hmm. And so I really... As much as I was struggling, I really made it a point to just right. basically bring it in and support my other kids, knowing that all they now were in that sure. risk category. So that's been a big focus of, mm-hmm. of mine. Mm-hmm. Ali, yeah. can you join in here? Yeah. Um, it was it was interesting for me because it was really difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. Like 
I was, when I was first told, I heard it, but I didn't process it, and it took me a long time to fully, like, come to terms, like, he's not mm-hmm. alive, You're right, you know? Right. Um, but what was interesting, like, I've become much more aware of, and I used to feel very guilty about this, but now I've realized that there are reasons for my actions. Um, like I was in fifth grade and, and in sixth grade it affected me more and I was very jealous of my other friends sure. and I seeked attention. I wanted attention everywhere I went because I wasn't getting it at home, obviously. Right. Everyone is focused on completely of different course. things. Of and, course. And as much as attention you gave me still, I was like lacking. I, I was sure. feeling some type of way I didn't know how to process. Mm-hmm. So at school I would be very, very jealous attention do things that were completely out of character for me just because I wanted to be accepted so I have to ask you this so the grief is still there mm-hmm. but as the believers in Jesus uh, where is he in all of this well he's the rock mm-hmm. he's the foundation he's my <laughs> cling on to him often mm. you know um, and yeah, I don't know where I'd be without him, really. Yeah. And I just spent my relationship with with Jesus, with God, spending time and really um, being more. That was something that really was significant for me, is right. to learn to be even more um, uh, in relationship and and just scriptures. So, just for instance, is there's so many. There's one particular scripture that has carried me. Um, all these years and it still does but it's uh exodus 19 verse 4 you yourselves know what i've done to mm. egypt and how i carried you on eagle's mm. wings and brought you to myself that's so good and there's so many that's it's it's like three-dimensional that verse because it reminded me of matt being carried by god mm. matt me being carried my family all of us being protected and just that comfort in that um and yeah, and just knowing that even in, the, especially in the times when things are good, we mm-hmm. need to be in close relationship. That's right. Because when the, that time happened, that was my first thing was just, I yeah. picked up my Bible and that was the first verse I read, that one, mm-hmm. and it's ingrained in my memory and comes to me often. Either Ali or you. Now, we're talking about mental health and the church. Mm-hmm. So... Can you share any insight how the church needs to come aside alongside of family or other people in the church that have gone through this uh, suicide in their home? I I can say one piece is we have a good news story on that. Our church faith family was just there, you know, and very supportive. And um, so from that is just to say continue to do that be available there were certain people and and for people to be honest too like mm-hmm. that was something valuable for me first of all i learned how to be humble and accept help right okay because i good. had a hard time <clears throat> prior to that mm-hmm. letting other people help me and i learned right. that it's actually a blessing to others but then at the same time i also learned because when people if i w- was in need of something if i asked somebody and they uh, one thing that was really valuable to me was for them to say, I can't, like, I'm not able to do that, but I can do this for right. you. Um, or, you know, because some things hit too home for other people, too. Right. 
And so there were certain things that, one thing that was so valuable for me was I had a, a friend, a lifeline. <laughs> if any time I was going through one of these panic attacks, oft, I had a, a list of people I could contact, but I had mm -hmm. one. I would text her, I'd say, I need a scripture. And she, no questions asked, she would send something back and it was always perfect. Yeah, wow. Praise the Lord. You yeah. know, the, the Holy Spirit just knew what scripture right, I needed. Right. And it only took a few seconds of her time. We didn't have big conversations. It was just this, she knew I needed a scripture and she'd send it and then I would just pray into that. Right. There were other people that I'd have that could call me and different different things like that. But that that's... Um, and not just my faith family, but definitely that being the church is that faith family to come alongside and and be honest yeah, and yeah. and also n not ex expecting themselves to know how to help me. But some people would just come and sit. Yeah, I was gonna talk about that because mm -hmm. sometimes we feel that we need to say something, right? Yeah. Or we need to do something. But sometimes all we need to do is maybe take a hand. Mm -hmm. give someone a hug or a squeeze yeah. or say I love you how I like to think about it because it's something that I also notice for me a lot of the times this helps more than anything else you don't have to fix their problem mm -hmm. and you don't have to solve it because right. it's never gonna go away by what someone says mm -hmm. it's time and it's healing yeah. but you can validate them mm -hmm. and you can just hold them and like be the support they need not the solution that's right i like mm. that because very wise for words. me i find often i it's i get more frustrated if someone tries to tell me what i need to be doing mm -hmm. when i'm not in a place to hear it like right. i'm i just need to be validated and heard that's good i like mm -hmm. that and we're gonna close with that because I think those, those are words from both of you. They're very uh, uh, encouraging words and uh, very wise words. So, Ali and Karen, thank you so much for being so real and raw mm -hmm. today. And I know that this will help some people that are listening. Thank you again for this opportunity. I never thought that I would have something this cool to be a part of. <laughs> Um, and although it's come out of really terrible circumstances, mm, yeah. it's created so much light in my life. You know, my wife and I wrote a book called The Beautiful Strokes of God. And the yes. strokes are not the physical stroke I had, but many things in life that God permits are ugly. Yeah. But as my tattoo says, He accompanies. You say it. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's so true, right? And so he can take ugly and make it beautiful. Yes. For his glory and your good and my good. Yeah. Any last Amen words, Karen? I think my biggest last words are to anybody who's out there that's feeling hopeless and thinking that they need to end it because there's no hope, that there is hope. Yeah. And reach out and let somebody know. Mm. that you need them to remind you of that hope. That's right. That's great hope. And so we are going to sign off tonight, and thank you for listening. So from myself and my wife, who is not here, and the Agora team, we say good night and God bless. As we conclude our program, we want to thank you for listening to today's broadcast.
For more information about Agora, we invite you to journey through our website, www.agoranetworkministries.com. Also, please subscribe while there. Or email us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. Until next time, may you know and experience the hope and healing that comes from the greatest healer, Jesus Christ. Thank you.